0: To be or not to be? That is the question. Of
1: all souls, my kingdom for a horse.
0: Oh, don't be so dramatic. Hello and welcome to Don't Be So Dramatic. I'm Steve Bradley. And I'm Jason B. Moore. Welcome everyone to, I oh, don't know what episode we are on now, but we Some episode. Welcome. <laughs> just welcome, welcome. welcome, everyone. Today we are joined by Claire Evans, who is a producer, and we're recording today at the Union Theatre... In Southwark. Yes. Welcome, Claire, to the show.
2: Thank you. How nice are you? Nice to see you both. I'm fine, thank you.
0: That's Excellent. Good. So, we're recording in the bar at the moment at the Union Theatre. It's very, very nice. Very beautiful bar. The beautiful bar. It's very, nice. <laughs> very ambient lighting we, we have.
1: HMS Pinafore is playing.
0: Yes, we should mention. Till.
1: When is HMS 4 finishing? Saturday. Saturday. Like oh, no, it would have get finished us by us. the time yeah. this goes out. So, by out. the time this goes out, Anyway, not playing. The, but, yeah, uh,
2: but by, by the time this goes out, there'll be lots of other fabulous things yes. happening
0: at the union, so... Yes. Yes, absolutely. I always keep doing that. <laughs> so, welcome, Claire, to the show. Let's start off with a bit about what got you involved in theatre and producing.
2: Oh, um... I've had sort of several lives, like a cat. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> So the life up to when I had my family, I was uh, various things, but I was an agent. Oh, A theatrical really? agent. Right. Um, I h- stopped being a theatrical agent when I had my family because I found that quite difficult to m- put the two things together. And I am a bit, was a bit of a full-time parent. Mm. Um, anyway, flash forward a decade or so. No, not a decade. A decade and a half, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and I decided to uh, come back. Into the profession, but this time doing something I actually wanted to do.
0: Really, what was um, agent, what was being an agent like? What it's was like that being
2: like? a mum without any of the rewards. Oh, really? <laughs> really yes. stressful. Very really mad. stressful. Looking after lovely actors. I mean, actually, I had lots of lovely actors. But what actors often don't understand about a relationship with agent is the agent really doesn't want to hear exclusively. Self-low self-esteem issues, w- which is in fact you, what you hear most of the time. You rarely get an actor ringing you up saying, Thank you, this <laughs> job is amazing, I'm having a fabulous time. Never hear that.
0: It's only problems. Yes, yes
2: you only hear problems or anything happening. Oh, which probably doesn't quiet. help your day either. But, does no, it, it doesn't, <laughs> because you crawl out of the. I used to eat a ba- family bag of minstrels in my office and the Chiswick roundabout some days. So uh, yes, uh, uh, being a mother was slightly less stressful. So when than that.
1: you so after having the children and you were thinking about coming back, did you yeah. did you initially think, "Oh, shall I go back to being an agent?" I or never thought that you at never all. Thought that? Not okay. for a
2: single second. Okay. No.
1: So you you realized that was not the path you Yeah, I didn't to want do. to do that anymore.
2: Yeah. But having said that, I actually I mean it sounds like I hate actors. I don't, I love them. And what I loved about being an agent was the development of new talent. Mm. And that uh, that was always mm. the thing that I enjoyed most. I love going to see them at drama schools, picking out special yes. people yes. and seeing their careers develop. Um, and there's an element to that in producing, particularly if you produce on the fringe. And I do uh, watch the careers of people who've worked in productions of mine. Mm. And I do take personal interest in them. So I suppose... That bit of client care and the nurturing yes. side, being an agent, I loved. I hated, as I say, the constant so- low yeah. self-esteem and also the just the grubby side of agenting, sort of uh, yeah. negotiating. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, okay. So, so you, you've had the children, and you're thinking about coming back in. Uh, how did that start? Where did you? How did you? Well, what was uh, the I first think phone I. Call I or email. What did you? Well, did what? You
2: what? I think I. As an aside to this, I home-educated both my children. That gave me all the confidence that I hadn't had previously oh, to ah, do what I wanted okay. to do. Because I thought, hey, I've just educated two children. How hard can it be to put on a show? So um, that sort of gave me the confidence. I had a project, still have a project, um, musical project, that has been floating around in the back of my mind since about 1988. I am that old. <laughs> um, and it was that I thought, well, rather than put it on in a village hall, I'll talk to my friend and lovely friend, Neil McPherson, who in fact had been a client of mine when he was an actor and I was an agent. So I took it to him. He, it wasn't right for the Finbra. However, he said, we've phoned at a rather fortuitous moment. Um, come and... Uh, co produce me and Juliet uh, Rogers and Hammerstein's oh, wow. sort of Broadway failure but it actually did rather well at the, the Finborough. so suddenly I was plunged rather unexpectedly into co-producing with Sarah Loder um, this fabulous backstage musical Tom Sutherland directing um, and it was a baptism of fire um, the Finborough is a great place to start producing because of the way uh, Neil structures things you're you're in a quite a f- safe environment mm. as a, as a producer. However, having said that, you know it was a bit of um, a crisis management learning curve, um, but we got there, and I stayed on at the in, uh, the Fimbra and produced bed and sofa, which was a slightly different arrangement. I, w- I wasn't doing that for the Fimbran; we were an outside company coming in. But Neil had put Luke Shepard and I together. Um, and we went ahead and did, did that. So well,
1: so you so okay so you 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 uh, rang at a at a great moment obviously, uh, and he he. You in and says, Come and do this, and you says, Baptisms and Fire. How, what was that like? Because, was it, did you come in halfway through? Did you, yeah, so, no, well, so in uh, essence, a lot of stuff had been y-
2: yes, done, yes. So, I, I missed out on all of the auditions, they were already rehearsing. Uh, I mean, the, the background to it was financial, there was a hole in the budget mm. which needed filling. filling, right? Um, but also, um, Sarah at that time was juggling a number of things, so she actually needed some hands on. Yes. Help as well, um, <clears throat> so it was already rehearsing. And I think the biggest sort of um, uh, crisis management incident on that was was there being no costume designer. Don't ask, don't how how that happened. But yes. anyway, there was no costume yeah, on, on designer on a musical. Oh on my God. a musical with sixteen people on a the Rogers cast, and Hammerstein musical. Rogers oh, and Hammerstein, wow. backstage <laughs> musical, so lots of yes. sets of costumes yes. required for that. Um, I don't quite because I hadn't been there at the early production meetings although uh, one of them I did ask about the costume designer and it, it seemed that it was all fine anyway it wasn't um, this really only came to like the week before the show opened so we were in a oh situation <laughs> where they were either going on in uh, tracksuit bottoms and t-shirts or we had to sort in something out in the 1940s out. I think the
1: period it, it was 50s, 1952 okay. I was
2: it plunged into instant research yes um, Luckily, being as old as I am, my parents were m- married in the <laughs> mid-50s, so I have a fairly firm handle on that. Um, and, it, you know, the budget went into orbit because we did not have time to trail round yeah. Oxfam shops, which yes. is what you might have d- done, yeah. in fact, yeah, yeah. Um, for a fringe production. Um, <clears throat> so we had to hire because we needed sets of costumes. So, as I say, a, a fringe... Costume budget budget is usually homeopathic. Um, this one, <laughs> as I say, was extraordinarily high. Um, but th- th- what we could, there was nothing we could do. Yeah. That just had to happen. Yes. So uh, we did it. We got. But of course, <laughs> Jason does know this story. Um, <laughs> we uh, we were well. We, I decided that it, it it wasn't ideal that I was going down as costume designer on the first show I was producing. So we made up a name just to cover that. What, for the
0: costume designer in the mm, programme? mm. What was the name? I
2: don't know whether I should... Oh, everyone knows about this who's spoken to me. (laughs) Tara Marrickdale. This is the... (laughs) It's a great name. Yeah, it's the name of um, Neil McPherson's Landlady's Dead Dalmatian. (laughs) No way. Anyway, uh, Tara went in the programme. We never thought any more of it. But uh, that year, the Off West End... Fringe Awards, the Office were being launched. And I suddenly found Tara Marrickdale nominated... You're
0: joking. <laughs> ...for costume design. <laughs> Brilliant.
2: Not, I was thinking, oh, OK, well, we'll see how that plays out. Did they Didn't, win? Uh, when we were shortlisted. <gasps> and at the point at which we were shortlisted, <laughs> lovely Sophie at the Office dropped an email to say, can we have Tara's... Email address.
0: No. <laughs> woof woof.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> at So we did have to, at this stage, come clean about this. And I think <laughs> Sophie might have liked a uh, front page of the stage along the lines of dead dog wins costume design. <laughs> However, we weren't keen on that at the <laughs> beginning of my career as a theatre producer. Uh, we thought perhaps not. And um, in the end... Uh, it, The awards came, and in fact, me and Juliet won uh, Best Direction for uh, uh, Tom Sutherland and Best Lighting Design for Howard Hudson. And I I was shortlisted as Claire Evans, but I think they felt that, well, maybe I just, my costumes just weren't good enough. But I'd like to think that they (laughs) thought it probably wasn't fair, (laughs) really. Somebody just... Coming in and having to sort of grub around for a set of costumes uh, against somebody who'd spent three years at a, an art college. So, right. um, so, yeah, no, so that was uh, That an was a good, good launch pad. What yeah. a great, it really was, yeah. so,
0: so
1: then, so Bed and Sofa was immediately after that.
2: Um, yes. th- that was October 2010. Bed and Sofa was in um, okay. March. So, April. very
1: different as, because obviously you were there from the beginning, so totally. planning wise, very, 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 very different. different. I think again, a different piece, of course.
2: Different piece. How Luke and I were put together is because there is, there's a, a, a Again, another musical that I would like to do that I was discussing with Neil. And he said, oh, well, the sort of director you need for that would be Luke Shepard. So Luke and I met, really, initially to talk about that musical. But then he introduced me to his his producer, Neil Franklin. Um, And again, it's a financial thing. It's obviously much easier if there are two of you um, funding a production. Um, And also you know two of you doing all the work is 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 much easier mm. so neil and i uh got together and uh yeah bed and sofa very different only three in the cast as opposed to 16 in me and juliet uh four musicians instead of just the one that we had in *Me and juliet so it, it was very very different very operatic yeah. um based on a 1926 black and white oh, russian movie um and I think very beautiful, but it was an absolute Marmite production. <laughs> Paul Vale was seen running from the theatre, hated it, hated it, hated it. Insufficient sequence, possibly, hated it. But other people loved it. It was really, you either loved it and it changed your life, mm. or you really hated it. It was on, interestingly, just before London Road opened at the, oh, right. the National. Yes. And they very cleverly flied outside. Uh, <laughs> spotting a similarity in the type ah. of audience. And I did see London Road afterwards and there were a lot of similarities yeah. there really? in the style of music. And, that, and that's um, interesting
1: because I was talking to someone about that and it was... Uh, actually, we were talking to Mary Hammond about that and saying that yeah. um, it's great that, that the musical can evolve because as much as they are wonderful and, and we need to evolve them mm. and it's great and the Fringe is the perfect place... For new yeah, stuff you, to, to be seen, to be yeah. to, to start its birth, so to speak, and uh, so so you've done those those two two shows, two different um, at the same theatre, but two different types of show, different uh, experiences. Mm. Uh, a lot of people that that uh, I, I find a lot of actors say, "Oh, okay, right. So um, uh, I can't can't necessarily get a job. I'll put a show on myself. I will mm. do a show myself. It's it, it can't be that easy. I just ring up a theatre and book the thing."
2: Is it that easy? No. No, it really (laughs) isn't Sasha. Sasha's in the background.
1: Sasha Regan, who's in the background. Well,
2: yes, it is. I mean, if you've got the money, and obviously, uh, just because of the length of time I've been on the planet, I do Mm. have a bit more money. uh, But I think if you're out of university, it's unlikely with the debt round your neck and yeah. I think it's very, very, very difficult for youngsters uh, to do. And that. it's also and, and
1: I think it's also a bit like um what's what's the, the phrase? If 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 they build it they'll come. if we build it they'll come. Is that the phrase? I can't remember the exact yeah, right well, uh, I mean, it's Yeah, that I- won't work either. So yes. how ha- so how do you think I know there are many ways, but how do you think you how would how would you suggest to say to people this is the right is, is it a case of this, get, get to the right venue, get to the right, how do the, the publicity and all that sort of stuff, because I think, I, I know I've been in situations where I've worked with producers and they have have virtually said, oh, well, people will come, and I think, oh, okay, all mm. right, so I we mean, won't get many I, in the audience. I, I, I
2: think people not coming isn't necessarily a reason not to do it, but you, ha- you have to be able to fund that fantasy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, if it, you know, there are certain projects, and probably, arguably, Bed and Sofa was one of them, where... You know, it's not a commercial piece, uh, and we even struggled to, you know, get people to come at the Fimber, which is a fifty-seater. Yeah. Um, It's, uh, but I don't think that that's necessarily a reason not to do something. I mean, we lost the same amount of money on that as we did on me and Juliet, which actually sold out, but, of course, because of the costume yeah. budget. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 you know, you could... Uh, I think the Fringe is the place to risk and to do stuff... Saying goodbye to Sasha. Oh. Um, <laughs> thank you for letting us use your bar. <laughs> um, I think the Fringe is definitely a definite place if you've got uh, a piece that you've either written or that you're passionate about doing. It is... <sighs> it's probably the only place that you can risk it but you you have to know you're going in and setting fire to probably between 2 and 4000 pounds
1: right wow so yeah. you
2: make sure you have yeah that much money before you do it because you as you say you cannot guarantee and even if they are queuing down the street if you've only got 50 seats do the maths mm. you know you mm. cannot charge more than a I mean, certainly not on the fringe, I wouldn't have said more than 20 plays, probably a deal less. The Finborough tends to charge about between 13 and 16, slightly more for musicals. Uh, Similarly, at the um, where we are at the moment, the Union Theatre. The the audience that comes to Fringe do not want to pay West End prices, which is why they're coming to the fringe however you know you've still got the same sort of costs um, yeah. mm. it, it's it i think it's it's terribly terribly difficult um i'm because i've done a number of fringe shows now i'm sort of now thinking much more carefully before i do something yes. simply because i don't now need to set fire to four thousand pounds mm. yes
0: um, what 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 goes how much work goes into producing what goes
2: Massive. Loads, I right? I cannot tell you how much...
0: What kind I of <laughs> what kind of work goes into producing? Because it's fascinated me and I, I sort of helped out... I wouldn't say co-produced, but I kind of helped out um, an amateur production mm. of their playing our song mm. last year at a, a theatre in Broadstairs. Um, and it was so stressful.
2: It is totally. I
0: lost sleep and I wasn't the yeah. main... Because there was money involved, but... It was just so it's not mad. Really,
2: actually, the money—that's the because stru- that sort of comes at the end when you can't do yeah. anything more about it. Um, uh, but it's—it's—is yes, it's the waking up at three o'clock in the morning, thinking, "Oh, I've—I've I've got to get that to the printers." There's 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 printing issues. There's proofreading yeah. issues. There's man management because you know, particularly in fringe theatre, you've got uh, a group of people who've signed up basically to do eight weeks work for nothing you know they're there yeah. on profit share most of the time yeah. and that most of the time means nothing i mean my, my production of king john which i did here at the union actually did make a profit but there were 29 of us on that production wow. it was a massive cut cast and we had you know a lot of creatives involved you divide up even a stonking profit in fringe terms, and everybody's ending up with, you know, 270 quid for eight yeah. weeks. You ca- it's very, very difficult in a 50-seater to make that work. Yes.
1: So, so to, to let's flip it on the other side and, and let's say to do that. Because, mm. um, you know, actors, directors say, I mm. love this play, will you produce mm. it? Um it, so for instance uh, do you would if a director comes to you and says I love this play I want you to produce this play how do you go about that because I don't necessarily mean talking about money or all that sort of stuff but I mean uh, talking about the right venue the right mm-hmm. uh, is, is the time right for this play are people interested in this play because I think I'm, what I'm trying to say is do you think it's the producer's job to also hone into these directors and um, actors and say y- yes let's let's find something else or let's get go what fits what's right I, I, i'm not trying to sound say let's have a big success but i think what's what's right so or maybe obviously because one of the main things for fringe is for people to be seen um mm. so what, what do you do you think are you cautious yourself not, not i'm not talking about money wise but i'm talking about artistic wise uh, uh yes
2: and no i think if if i love the play I tend to care less about whether the public will also enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Um, I really do care less about that because I do think that a producer on the fringe, part of his or her mission, really should be bringing stuff to people that perhaps... Yeah. You, well, you couldn't perhaps see in the West End because it's too high a risk. You know, yeah. the West End's about putting on yeah. you know, films yes. turned into yes. plays yes. and musicals, yes. it, it, it seems, at the moment. Um so, you know, I have a passion for new writing, um, I love m- musicals, and I think actually the things that I have done have, you know, as I say, me and Juliet, that was a uh, world premiere, I think. No, not world, obviously, it had been on in <laughs> disastrously on Broadway, it was a European pre- premiere, never been done in this country. Uh, Bed and Sofa, again, European premiere... Then I did King John, not a play that's done a lot. It's a really quite Mm. um, undervalued piece of Shakespeare. Fair M, really quite a challenging piece. That was a piece of Renaissance, um, fairly badly written, but we still felt it was worth, and certainly the academics who came to see it were right with us on the page. Um, Mm. Because where else would you see that? Uh, You wouldn't get an opportunity to see those sort of plays, I well suppose, anywhere. I suppose
1: King John was an example because obviously it was mm. successful here. And yeah, um, I mean, I didn't get to see it, but um, yes, who'd have
2: thought? Uh, on paper, uh, the, yeah, the most th- successful thing is a, an obscure. Because I, my History my play.
1: feeling about Shakespeare is, is on the fringe is that it has to be something very interesting because yes, there are so well, many yeah, of the big houses that do it so why would you come and yeah, see it? Yeah, why would you? But that was a was a very good yeah. success, and you and yeah, uh, and, and in fact, and we, the timing right was very well. It was
2: extraordinary. I think we hit a zeitgeist. Mm. Uh, w- uh, w- I mean, it was uh, Phil Wilmot who. Um, the stroke of genius to to want to direct that and um he was looking for a producer and i loved the play i'd I'd come across it in other circumstances and really wanted to be involved so there's an example of where a director's passion just happened to Mm. collide with my passion Mm. so we were able to work together on it um but in fact the rsc did it the same year as us thankfully for us much later Ah. in my view less well but <laughs> just my view um and also i saw the um, um i think it was the armenian version at the globe because globe were do, doing the globe to globe series and so i saw it in armenian which was possibly <laughs> one of the most exciting things i've ever done um because obviously i knew the play very well yeah. it was delightful to see that so we did hit something there yeah. with king john that particularly i think it was that so many heads of government both in the Middle East and in Europe, because uh, uh, the Europeans were having a problem. Heads were being, you know, toppled all over the place. And King John is about hanging on to your crown, no matter what. Yes. And so mm. it did have a resonance. Real right time.
0: So the timing uh, for yeah, that play. But I
2: don't think Phil had sat there thinking, oh, this is deeply resonant. Well, maybe he did. I didn't. I just yeah. thought this is That's an exciting play. play that nobody ever does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did it, and I, say I think we just just were lucky. And do you um, think
1: venues? Do you think venues are an important thing?
2: Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, obviously, you, you can't. It, you're not always free to choose mm. your venue because mm. uh, obviously venues have different policies. Of mm. the Finbra has a very very tight artistic policy, and so. Uh, it is perhaps more difficult to turn up there with a play uh, that you want to put on because it needs to fit in with the Fimbra's artistic policy, Mm. whereas um, The Union... uh, The Union's obviously most known probably for its musicals, but it does comedy. I think uh, Season's Greeting is opening here very soon. Um, And obviously it does its regular Shakespeare, uh, which Phil comes along and and directs. uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, venues are are difficult because obviously what you want to choose is a venue that actually has an audience. Yes, because I was also thinking um, there's no point, you know, booking yeah. a venue that nobody goes to yeah, for whatever I reason. because
1: You know, gone to see plays in the middle of north, 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 north London in a pub somewhere, and I just think oh, this is a very nice space, but but I, Can't me and my it. friend are yeah. the two people in the audience, and and I and I again i'm just thinking from an actor's point of view um you know th- those wonderful t- the guys that have rehearsed for 3 weeks to sit in front of two people is not it's so so yeah. so when you re- produce maybe at the Finber and here uh, um, do, do you think that attracts a different type of actor as well because because of the reputations of those two yeah. places um, as opposed to maybe somewhere up north north london that's a pub do you think that I,
2: do you know what because I do
1: people come to those venues such as the casting directors and the, the reviewers that they need actors need to be seen I mean
2: certainly the, the, the more solid the reputation of the theatre the more likely I are to get an audience but again it doesn't always happen you know the FIMBRA will and the union they have sell out hits and they have mm. yeah, uh, yeah. shows that struggle to get an audience uh, that's usually a result of yeah. reviews Either mixed or poor—it's that—that is difficult when that happens. Um, yeah. That's difficult for anybody. But I, th- I think you're obviously starting off from a stronger base if you pick somewhere yes. that has a, a, yes. a, a strong and solid reputation. Um, which isn't to say, you know, that if you pick somewhere that hasn't got either of those, you you can't have a hit. You know, if you yes. do a stonking yes. good show yes. and get Your reviews, but again, the reviews which are important, it is difficult to get reviews. I mean, there is, particularly in London, you you the stuff opening every single night, you You know, mm, they get tired. There's only a few of them, yes, you have to pick your Um, opening night. What do you really do? And of course, (laughs) in the end, you can't because, particularly a fringe show, you know, you've got a production week, you can either do two previews and a press night, or three previews and a press night, or if you're really bold, four previews. And a pre- but you know, you've got a limit. You've got to yeah. open really yeah. within that first week, yes. which means that, y- of course, you're going to be competing with the National Theatre and the yeah. Royal Court and the Young Vic and the Old, you know, and all the West Na- and also all the other Fringe theatres. It is a nightmare, and of course, producers look at the opening night yeah. list. Yeah, but it's still, you know, yes. there'll always be surprises. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, well, w- that wasn't on the list when I looked. No, yeah. OK, else. so
1: that's interesting. And I think it's it's nice that you mentioned that even though uh, producing is a big thing with all the money-wise, so you do look for proje- uh, projects that aren't necessarily going to be money-making, but the, the artistic side mm. of it is as well. Well, I think because you, you well. Yeah,
2: because you can't guarantee whether something's going to be uh, a, an artistic or commercial within uh, whatever that means on, on the fringe... Um, I think you might as well produce what you're passionate about okay. because, it, as King John said, it, it can go either way. It, yeah, you, you can be passionate about something; it can be it can bomb. You can be passionate about something; it can be a massive yeah. hit. So you might so, so long as you're passionate. Yes. I do think that really is important because if you don't believe in your show then it's very unlikely that anybody else is, including mm. the actors. Yeah. I think if, if you really believe in it, and, of course, it's very difficult if you open a show and it gets poor reviews for whatever reason, um, and then you've got four weeks to keep the morale of that cast high enough for them to get out there, knowing they're not going to earn a bean at yeah. the end of it. Yeah, that. yeah. That is one of... I mean, it's a nightmare for a producer that. I mean, and you end up... Well, I end up, because I... Care about it, uh, coming three or four times a week just to say hi, you know, yes, and, and show yes. that I'm I'm in it with them as well. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. don't realize that not only do I not get paid, but I actually pay for not getting yes, paid. Yes. At, uh, at the I end think of that's bit.
1: really important to keep to keep morale going and, and that's again even if you're in a, in a big show that's, that's, that's bombed as well I think it's very important to keep that and mm. to remember why you're doing it yeah. and to keep that going and, and to yeah, have cause that it is hard. constantly because
2: everybody's so enthusiastic up until that press night you have the fabulous party in the union bar or wherever uh, and yeah. then the reviews come out and yeah. uh, say everybody's sky high if they're fabulous It's not so good if they're not, and that's really hard. And and you say to the actors, don't read them, but they do, or their friends do. Yes. Yes, So so you know, saying that. I mean, I obviously do as a producer, and that was probably one of the most difficult things I had to teach myself when I was uh, first producing was to actually read the reviews. It made me feel physically sick. That's how bad it is. And to try and read them objectively
1: is really hard
2: yeah you do train yourself, i mean obviously, as a producer, you are slightly a, a removed yes. i think it 's really tough for the director if you get bad reviews really tough it 's the worst because he or she not only feels personally crucified but they 've also feel i think at some level unjustifiably that, that they have let everybody down yeah. and, uh, and it 's they fault. want yeah. to crawl into a hole and never come out again, and i think that 's really hard yeah. for, for, mm. for the director. I mean, see, it's, it's not good for the producer, but um, uh, uh, you're at one rem- remove. It's yes. not, uh, you're just funding it, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, uh, and your job, as I say, is to, to keep everybody up yeah. as mm. much as she, <laughs> as she can under those circumstances.
0: You uh, mentioned, I think, off-air about Edinburgh mm. and producing something for the Fringe in yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, that's a very different experience. Tell us about the difference. the difference between the two. Oh, London Fringe and Edinburgh huge. Fringe.
2: Well, uh, Ed- Edinburgh. If you want to lose even more money, <laughs> go to Edinburgh. You can set fire to oh, such a lot of money. Um, however, having said that, I had the best time I have ever had, and I do think it is something everybody should do once before they die. It is really worthwhile. Um, it's very different because obviously, when you book a fringe theatre in in London, that. Theatre's really yours, pretty well for the four weeks you're there. Like you've you, seen it before. You've yeah, been there. it becomes your home, <laughs> you know. Whereas in uh, uh, Edinburgh, you've bought an hour and a half.
0: Really? Yes. For
2: usually a great deal more than you would have paid in London for your four weeks, <laughs> which is um, shared, obviously. Hmm. So um, it's it. Uh, Edinburgh is just a weird, weird uh, uh, bubble. It's again, it's a. It's I think it, it teaches you lots of very useful skills. Tight um, kind of uh, teching skills because you you I had I was I took two shows up which oh alternated, right. and but I still only had one and a half hours to, to tech, tech both both. Yeah. So what we did is we did um, a preview at uh, Waterloo East Theatre. I did both the shows, so, so I teched and dressed them there. So all we had to do in our hour and a half was just make sure that the. Uh, my lovely stage manager could sort out uh, you know sort out all her cues onto the the lighting board oh, in the venue excellent. that we had uh you know there's all the joys of uh, you know a set that can be put up and dismantled in minutes yeah. minutes um and i yeah I, it, no it is just very different because this is your home yeah, you know, yeah, if you book yeah. the union um, I, I you, mean, you know well, you you leave your costumes in, in the theatre. theatre, yeah, yes. whereas we had to bundle them into no, a bag absolutely. and lug them at, back to, but yeah, back I, every I, time. Add the, add the keyboard,
1: oh no, yeah.
2: I mean, we could have left things, but you know, you're sharing a, what is laughingly known as a green room with, with goodness knows how many other companies, and oh my god, you, know, you don't leave Edinburgh. your keyboard there. <laughs> I mean, I, I went uh, to,
1: a, up to Edinburgh, and I had to restage the whole play the other way around because of stuff they didn't tell us about. And entrance yeah. And exit, and so I had to redo the whole thing the other way around. But they had to, you know, put up the set and, and, and luckily the guys were staying across the road from our venue so they were in and out yep. and out. And were you doing all the flyering stuff and all that Oh, yes. And the yes. St- and the, the, and
2: it's like, I mean, my, my husband who was in, involved, um uh, while well we went up there because we, we did do it as a family and he he helped with, with the flyering. And he said it, it reminded him of sort of revising for A-levels when you just <laughs> don't know when to stop. You yeah. don't stop revising because you yes. you'd might just not do that bit that turns up yes. on the paper. Yes. And it did become like that. You we be, were torturing you ourselves. You become obsessive.
1: Oh, we missed that corner yes. of Edinburgh. We, yes. oh,
2: should we be in the Royal Mall or yes. should we be lurking? Yes. He used yes. to do undercover flyering down at the Half Price Hut. I mean, it, it became quite an insane <laughs> <laughs> exercise every year but again keeping up the morale yeah. of, of the actors yeah. because although obviously we could see a much more direct link because we were uh, financing it you know when you've got youngsters trying to keep them yes in the zone so that they're there so flying do you, it's hard do you it's think really for
1: anyone hard. any actors or any producers who want to be producers do you think edinburgh would be a, a a good way of 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 learning
2: yes but you know watch what you do i mean i took in, in my shows i had four um performers, one MD, a stage manager, an assistant producer. Um, that was quite a lot yeah. to... Uh, because, of course, we paid for all the accommodation. And I did ensure that they were actually in Edinburgh as opposed to on the coast somewhere, yeah. you know, sort of 45 <laughs> that, that, minutes oh bus no. and ride, okay, yes. which is what happens. Yes. A lot of these youngsters do yeah. have to do that. We didn't do that to them. They were... As I say, a, a very short walk away. Um, I, I think y- do a one man or two man piece, yeah. no more, because it's just really expensive. Because you've got to live up there for three and a half yes. weeks. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get up there, which yeah. is not cheap either. Um, you, I mean, obviously, you've got to eat up there as well, but which is actually quite cheap in in yeah. in, um, in <laughs> Edinburgh. But um, but if 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 you have the money from whatever source I think it is
0: it's worth a, a doing b- oh,
2: I, yes I mean I, I wouldn't have not done it for anything and that mm. there's still a bit of me that I'd quite like to go up again okay. and of course if we went up a second year, I think it would be a deal easier because of course we could put our five star review or four star review yeah. into the brochure which yes. of course I helps mean, the next brochure yeah. and, and, and the brochure and
1: itself of Edinburgh is so important to be in if you're, if you're really not in that then yeah, don't bother well, you no
2: know, absolutely don't <laughs> bother really really <laughs> is silly Yeah, no, not um yeah you've got you've got to if you're doing it do it properly. But it's not easy. Yeah. I mean we we took a slot of a show that had been up there the previous year. But they they had a title that literally said what it we call it Ron Seal title, you know, it says what yeah, it on the does tin. on the tin. Yeah. Um we chose not to go down that line that we were a bit more eclectic. But you know, it meant the punters didn't know yeah, immediately yeah. what we were doing. Now if we did that again We could stay eclectic, but say... The, the, the group who yes, you know, brought suppose, you the five-star, you know, whatever it yeah. was last to year. somewhere like it's Edinburgh,
1: you, it teaches you, though, to be, I suppose, more blatant, I suppose. Yeah, in, in you are sense. dealing
2: with a, a peculiar audience yeah. up there because they're, they're bombarded. There are, you yes. know, two and a half thousand shows well, up the there. Well, the mall is
1: crazy. Wow. With, How with can flowering. you choose? I mean, yeah. peop,
2: you know, I sit there when the brochure arrives because, obviously, I've been to Edinburgh and I, I go through it with a fine tooth comb. And, of course, because of my knowledge of the industry, I sort of know what's good and what's bad. And I still make mistakes and find ourselves sitting there thinking oh my god what <laughs> is this
1: yes we've all uh, done that li-
2: usually <laughs> misled by titles um, yes. I've, I've learned. which yes. is sort of where I was coming from because I was thinking so often the ones where the title lures you in are the very worst yes, sort of yes, shows yes. but the problem is you, you know most people do not take quite that level of care they are literally sort of wandering around in the royal mile making decisions on the hoof um, and maybe you need to be a bit more blatant. I mean, I, I, one of the worst things I saw um, on, the, on the fringe is something that had been running for years and years and years. And I sat there and wanted to cry <laughs> because it was full and no. it was shite. Yes. Am I allowed to say you that? You can say that. It really was. I won't shame the people involved by saying what it was. No. But it was bad. And they, but they, they're they trading on. Maybe the first year they did it, it was sparkling and fresh and new. It's not.
1: Well, it's that lovely you know, word, Tradition. I just wanted to ask you. Um, you know, some people you know think that producing is money. Mm.
2: Just that it, it, it isn't just that. It, that is important. You can't do without That's it. That's why
1: I was just thinking about you know, uh, crowdfunding and, and mm. all those sorts of things. Um, which I, I don't. Know, I'll ask you what your opinion of them are. But uh, i just thinking maybe you know maybe they're good because they bring the money in. But you still have to have the talent to be able to do. The yes, you've still got You've still got to do what it. What do you What do you think about those sorts of? Crowdfunding things, and and, and
2: I think it's quite difficult because what uh, uh, a lot of people, when particularly younger people straight out of university, perhaps who are putting on fringe shows, they they talk about oh come and invest in my production. No, that is not what you're asking me to do. You're not asking me to invest here. You're asking me to donate to your production. Yeah. Yeah. You will never... as never, You won't get that money back. There is not a prayer of having that money, to, which is yeah. what investment is. If yes, you invest yes. in it, you do... Ex- OK, you can still lose your money, but the expectation because is that something the financial structure will return something to you. In Fringe, there is no such financial structure... It is just a black hole, largely. Unless you, if you start doing 100 seaters, 200s, it's a bit easier, but it's still, you know, hard. Um, So the crowdfunding, I I mean, on paper, it's a great idea. Uh, I mean, obviously, West End shows that do that, that is actually tipping into investment because you are buying a share. Yeah, you're you're buying a share of of whatever happens to it. but actually at a fringe level, you're just not tapping your mates for money. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Actually what you're doing. Yeah. Which is fine, so long as you're up front about it, saying yeah. I'm tapping you for money. Tapping, well, I mean yeah. really better if they just come and see the show. Just make them come and see the yeah. show.
0: Yes. Yeah. Rather
2: than giving them ten pounds, please please spend fifteen mm. pounds. And bring a friend, you know. Come and see the flipping show. So
1: yeah. it's interesting what you've been talk- what we've been talking about. It seems to uh, demystify things, and it, it, for me, what I'm getting is that um, if you have your, I think you said four to seven grand, uh, or you can get that, or or whatever, uh, is choose choose it. Be be. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Choose it. Choose correctly. Uh, in every sort of aspect, as in mm. venue, play, possibly I think actors, choo-
2: choose with integrity. With integrity, and so, the yeah. a, and a passion is the word yeah. you were using yeah. earlier.
1: So that it's, it, it it's interesting because we were, we did a previous podcast with a, with a guy called Paul, and he was talking about um, career advice, wasn't he? Yeah, and how to approach people properly, and it seems to be the same thing: approach this in like a sort of package way, mm-hmm. and. Uh, as opposed to, I just want to put a show on. Yeah, I pr- really, really think about it, and yeah, really and
2: you do need to know that you know, as a producer, in um, usually together with your director, you you've got to put everything in place. So you have to yeah. make sure you've got a lighting mm. designer and a yes. sound designer, if that's relevant. That you've got your MD. That your MD can get musicians who don't mind not being paid. Yes, um, all of those things absolutely have to be. Yes. Done. They don't just happen. Yes. They really don't. And you know, printing programs, th- pricing things. Yes. Correctly. Mm. Lots of things that
1: you think magically happen. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. and
2: all of these things actually need a decision made yeah. about them. And you need to think about you know not charging too much for your tickets, but not underselling your show. And uh, all of those things really really matter. And I think if you can get somebody. I think it is important to actually have a producer who's not necessarily... uh, Because sometimes, obviously, directors end up having to produce their own shows. This is usually not a good idea because, you know, if you're a director, you should be thinking about actually... You know, Directing, making that yeah. that play that happen, happen. Yes. and building your relationship with your actors. Not worrying about printing schedules. Mm. Get somebody else to do that for you because it. Uh, you know, you'll drive yourself mad and it'll be a horrible, horrible experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, that there's so much information in in what we've talked about, yeah, and so I, it's I think nice a lot of people honest
1: information because that's, that's why I thought it was important to speak to a producer mm. because. It's it's great to go, well, let's do this. Get but, the reality but, of but get, producing. Get it, because then it can be good. It can be something good even if it's not financially good as opposed to mm. just, oh, we'll do something somewhere and you just feel disheartened after. Mm. Yes. So it's, And I think the skills of a producer are very important. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about mm. all the other stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, because
2: actually, uh, y- you know, if you've produced something you're proud of, no matter what the critics thought, that does take the sting out of the tail. Yeah. If you're proud of what you've done yeah. and you think... Even after everything, that was a worthwhile way of spending the last six months of my life. Good,
0: yeah. Mm. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Claire, for coming on the show and my for pleasure. talking to us today. <laughs> so if anyone out there um, wants to follow us on Twitter, they can, uh, to get updates of um, other guests that we've got coming on and uh, updates to our website. Uh, they can. It's at DBSDPodcast. Or you can, if Twitter's not your thing, you can like us on Facebook, Um, as well we've got our Facebook Facebook page don't don't be so dramatic so you can like us on there and uh, check out our website www.dontbesodramatic.com so that's it for this week thanks everyone for listening I'm Steve Bradley I'm Jason B. Moore
2: and I'm Claire Evans
0: don't be so dramatic